0: you will please we have been dealing with the position of women in the church and in the family if you'll turn please to James chapter 1 and verse 26 James you know was the brother of Jesus And he wrote this book. He's a straight talking kind of a fellow. Maybe even straighter in his directness to us than was Peter after he was turned around. But there's some interesting words that James uses here in chapter 1 and verse 26. He says, if any man among you seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is to him in vain. It's of no use. Now what it says, if any man among you thinks He is religious. So what it's talking about is a person who thinks he should be called religious, but it says if he's like this, he's not a religious person. Now let me, there is something I need to explain. Today we use those words religion and religious in a way that they never used it in that day. It's used in about four different occasions in the Bible. Two two verses each occasion. The word religious means ceremonious. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation or spiritual life. Spirituality. What it meant in that day while James here was using it was that people who are religious worship something. But in that day, it implied that people who were referred to with this term were superstitious. Because you see, it was a term for anybody that worshiped anything. And so many people have tried to explain that in that day, only the Jews had a church. There wasn't churches on every corner like they are now. The Jews had a temple. The thing we call church has something that Jesus introduced. And before that, there was no such thing. So the most of the people walking the streets of Jesus' day had never been to what we call church. Only the Jews had a place they could go and meet and study anything of the Old Testament. The rest of them had idol worship and temples devoted to idols. So this word was... Referring to people who worship whatever it was they worshiped. It was not a Christian word. It's never used in the Bible in association with Christianity or salvation or spirituality. It was used here, James used it, in the sense of believers' good work. In other words, he said that if you were a person that did good works, well, you were referred to as a religious person. But apparently people did good works based on all kind of relationships with who they might have considered their God. Like looking after the weak and the needy. And what he says in verse 27, or what it says in verse 26, he's lying to himself if he calls himself religious if he doesn't bridle his tongue. So if he runs his mouth, James said he wasn't a very religious person and he certainly wasn't a Christian. So this man's religion is useless to him. Pure religion and undefiled before God or true religion is the word is translated there. And, and undefiled before God and the Father is this. So he's explaining what a Christian should be to visit the fatherless and the widows in their trouble or affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Two things. James said in that day that a Christian was known as a person who would look after the widows and the fatherless and to keep from messing himself up with the world. Now, there is a thing in Scripture, I don't know if you've ever been taught it, there is a thing in Scripture that God, from one end of this book to the other, does not play with people who won't look after people that are in need, that are weak and needy, and who would be the the, 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 the poster child for the weak and needy, but a woman who does not have a man to look after her, and especially in that day, because it's a completely different situation than it is now. We've got ladies today who are widows who have means. They've got houses to live in. They've got incomes. They've got some way to support themselves in that day. Very, very few women had that. So we're talking about the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows. So the mark of a Christian, the mark of a person who follows Christ and is trying to please God, one of those characteristics is to look after the ladies who do not have men to support them and the children who do not have parents. orphans. You don't mess with that group of people as far as Jesus is concerned. Please understand. I've got every woman in this group that has attended our church on a regular basis who does not have a man to look after her. I've got them all on the list. Now I include some of the divorcees in with that because basically they still don't have a man to look after them either. And they may get in a jam and need the church's help for that. So as we were talking about ladies, the women folks, and the church and their homes, this issue came up and I think we wouldn't be complete in teaching about this if we didn't bring up this issue of the orphans and the widows. If you will, please, turn to 1 Timothy, chapter 5, just a few pages back. There is a ministry that is given to a church. I see a lot of churches, I've been in some churches, that look, for ministries but they discounted this ministry right here. They had their some of their own people who were having trouble and they didn't even take notice of them. It says in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy starting with chap- with with verse 1 we we'll, it's about the guys but the guys can use it. Rebuke not an elder an older man who holds a position in a church, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. We are to think as Christians of the old men. We're to look up to them and respect them like we would our father, and the younger men, we're to look at each other like we're brothers, blood brothers, kinfolks. The elder women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. That early church had a group of widows that they called widows indeed, the real widows. And they're given a description in the next 12, 13 verses about who they are. But if any widow have children or grandchildren or nephews, and I added that in because in the, in the definition of the term, they're supposed to be in there. Children, grandchildren, and nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home. Now, what is that word piety? We don't use it a great deal anymore. But if that day it meant respect. Let them show respect for those people at home and to requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. It pleases God for people to look after the older folks and for kin folks to look after their elderly and especially the elderly who do not have men to look after them. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate or alone trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. She's a lady who prays to God all day every day. She realizes her situation and she makes what she thinks is the best way to have a deep relationship with God because of where she is. But she, the widow, verse 6, that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Now this is not the word that has to do with our heart stops beating. This word dead means that she is separated from God. If the widow is out what we might call uh, in the beer joints every night or something like that, She's separated herself from God and she's out from under his protection. Verse 7. And these things give in charge. He's talking, this is Paul and Timothy instructing Timothy as a young preacher of the things he needs to tell his congregation of the people in his church so Paul says in these things give in charge that they may be blameless tell your people that this is the way it should be so God won't have it out for them because they're not tending to their business but if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever that's what God is saying. If you don't take care of your folks, of your kinfolks, your older kinfolks, the folks that might be in a gym, might be weaker, might be in a needy situation, if you don't look after them, then we as other Christians are to treat you like you were an unbeliever. Now I'm going to add something to that And the Holy Spirit can give it to you as an approval or not. I personally consider a church that will not look after the needy in its own own membership or people who regularly attend or people who live in their community I'd say I would think that God would want you to treat that preacher like he's an unbeliever, too, because he certainly is not obedient to God. Let not a woman, a widow, be taken into the number of those people who are taken care of by the church under three score years old. So don't take a woman into this group. There was a group in those days of ladies who lived. In the church facilities, they ate everyday food that was provided them by the church. They lived off of the church's offerings and whatever. The church took care of them every day because in that day there were, there were widows who had nobody to take care of. If you get to be the leader of a church you will have an opportunity to go turn lights back on, to go turn water back on, to give people money to keep their house from leaking, or need money because they're not getting enough to do what they need to do to live the way they need to live. You'll see this. You'll see it on a regular basis. And that's the reason that here that I have suggested that each one of you have see somebody like that. If you have a burden for somebody that you know that we're not aware of, you go to those people and you do what you think God would have you to do for them. And if you need help, people-wise, labor-wise, or financial-wise, You tell us what your burden is for them and what you have done to help them. And if you need help, we'll help you do it. It's all about an individual's burden by the people that's around him. Because as we leave this place right here and go back to our homes and our jobs and where we shop and where we move about, we're going to be aware of people and we see the need that they have a need for somebody to help them. We can't be everywhere. And besides that, the tears that you wind up with on your shoulder will make a better person out of you. And that's the reason we've suggested you do that. When they bring it to the church and bring it to the leaders of the church, the church is the only ones that get hugged. They're the only ones who get a benefit of doing something for people like this. So please, let us know if you want to, but be aware. If you have a burden for someone, if you will fulfill that burden, we'll help you with that, whatever it takes to do that. Let not a widow be taken into this number that's taken into the church under 60 years old. Having been the wife of one man at a time. Please understand something. There is a misunderstanding in the, the way scripture is interpreted sometimes. And we have a lot of people in the church who believe that if a woman has ever been divorced, then she doesn't deserve any help from the church whatsoever. That's not the way this reads. The reason the people who read it this way say that is because they contend that at the time that Jesus walked in Jerusalem, there was no such thing as polygamy. A man having several wives I have got proof at my house of bills being passed in the governments that were over them at that day trying to do away with polygamy. Polygamy was very much a part of their lifestyle. It was not talking about men who had more than one wife. It was talking about people who had more than one wife at a time. As long as a man had one wife at a time, as far as the scripture reads, those women qualified for whatever help we can give them. There's a lot of churches today who will not allow a divorced man on their deacon board. That is not what it's talking about. and if I can sit down and prove it with anybody for whatever reasoning they use. Well reported of for good works, this is talking about the lady, the widow, another qualification, is well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. Now listen to this. This is the description of a widow who has been the wife of a Christian, of a church person, and what she has done all of her life up to this point that she's 60 years old and is being looked at to be qualified for the church to help her financially or or whatever to get by every day. She's done all those godly woman things. We've talked about which the way a woman adorns herself, the way she dresses up that is appropriate for a godly woman. We've dealt with that for the last three weeks and we're talking about now. It also applies in this group of widows. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have become to grow wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. They are not the woman that prays every day. They are not the woman that builds a relationship with God. They are They're out here having a good time in the world and they forget their relationship with God. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. I can remember the days, it's been years ago. Some of you may be old enough to remember when we had party line telephones. And how that there was always a lady in the community who you'd hear pick up the phone if, see, different people had different rings. You might have six or seven, eight people on a party line, and everybody had a different ring. So when it was your call, Your ring rung. If it was a ring and a half, and then a ring and a half, and a ring and a half, or it might be two rings, or it might be three rings, but that's how you knew that who on that party line, your party line was being called. Well, in those days, everywhere I've ever lived, there was always some lady who always picked up the phone immediately after you picked it up and started talking, you'd hear a little button go click and you knew that somebody was listening in on the phone. And God calls them a tattler and a busybody. (laughs) We lived in Drive Alley and I never will forget the lady. I wouldn't call her name for nothing in the world. But I mean, she listened on everybody's phone calls. I thank the Lord that we've got a way to talk on phones now that you don't have to have that. I will therefore, Paul says, I will that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. He's saying that the solution to a young widow who does not have a husband to take care of her, maybe got a couple of kids, that becomes a tattler and a busybody, the solution to that is to get her married. <laughs> now, I used to tell the guys in my, my God in the family class, men, you need to understand, if you marry a woman that's a tattler and a busybody, it's your job before God to stop that. You keep her busy enough to where she won't be able to have time to do all that stuff. But it was a teasing thing I did with them. Was one or two of them came to me and told me, he said, I've tried, Brother Joe, and I can't stop my wife from doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I will, Paul says, that the younger women marry. And in that day, a married woman did not act like that. Her husband was expected and the community supported him in doing that. I will that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. God knew that when a woman acts that way, that Satan is going to entice other women in the community to run her down. And he doesn't want a woman that's being talked about like that to be part of the church. for some are already turned aside unto Satan. Now look, remember what we said. Are these women demon possessed? That's not what it says. But we know in Ephesians chapter 2, it is very plain starting at verse 1 that we're saved now, but at that time, that was some of us. And when... James says in another place, we just got through with him, he's preaching this too, that if you get too friendly with the world, you're considered an enemy of God. So there's a group of young widows, some may be divorcees, who are making the rounds, I believe is the colloquial expression, And they've forgotten the relationship with God. They forgot the relationship they had through their husband with God. And they're giving a bad reputation to the church. They're following the world. They don't know they're following Satan. They don't know they're giving in to Satan's temptations. But God says they are. They're following the world. They're following Satan. They're one and the same. If you want to turn, like I said, to the to the second chapter of Ephesians, verse 1, we won't turn there now, but it explains that. There's no such thing out here as people who follow God and people who follow Satan and then a bunch of people in the middle. That's not what the Bible says. That's not the way God handled it. God said, if you're not following me, you're following Satan. There's only two groups. Verse 16. If any man or woman that believeth have with us, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed are widows who follow these qualifications who are alone or having trouble and they've got nobody in their family that can take care of them. Now there's a couple of things I would like to show you in these scriptures. In verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house. Pronoun. You know they in government now, they're talking a lot about pronoun, and everybody's fighting about pronoun. Well, God is a big deal on pronouns too. If any providing not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now what I'm trying to say is this, gentlemen, God has placed the responsibility of the people in your family, your kinfolks, if you will. He has put them put the responsibility on you to see to it that they're taken care of. It. Now in our day there is some women who do not have husbands to take care of them, who are able to take care of themselves. They have been left enough to do that. In those days, that was a rarity. Property did not change hands and was left to women. Property was left to sons and grandsons and nephews. Men owned property. And a lot of women had no place to go when their husbands died. And it was left up to the men folks in their family to look after them and to feed them and keep a house over, a roof over their head, as people say, a roof that doesn't leak, and doors that will shut, and plumbing that works, and electricity that works. That's left up to the men folks. God expects them to be responsible for it. Now, if you are a woman who does not have a man to tend to you and you have means financially, then I assume that it would include you in looking after the people in your your family, your kinfolks. But in those days, there were very few ladies who had the money to do that. So it make, it speaks to those men to have them responsible for it. Now let me share something with you. We've been talking about ladies for several weeks, women who are Christians and what God has to say about them. I believe that God intended in his original scripture. You can, I can show you scripture if you're interested in it and want to see or prove it to yourself. There are two things. Number one, when Jesus was leaving the world, after the 40 days that he came and walked with men on the Emmaus Road, he, he visited with his disciples. He stayed here 40 days after he was resurrected. And as he was leaving the earth, It said that his disciples were standing there watching him along with a bunch of other people go up into the clouds. He could have looked back and said, Guys, I'm leaving it with you. Whatever I have told you while I am here, I am leaving it to your responsibility that see that it gets done. Men folks, because everything I can find that Jesus delegated as a, as a responsibility to anybody on this earth, inevitably, it comes inevitably and falls in the man's lap. So guys, you can't look off and say, I don't have any responsibility there before God, because you do. The other thing I have seen that is not altogether spelled out is this thing right here. I learned in my studies in the scriptures that a a female child, a girl, was to be submissive to her father and obedient to her father until she's married. After she's married, the Bible says that she is to be submissive to her husband. And when she no longer has a husband and is a widow, the Bible says, in what we've just looked at, as the men in her family are to look out for her. And she is to be under the submissive. Subjection to the leaders in her church. As far as a Christian lady is concerned, as far as her manner, and as far as the things that she chooses to live her life. She should live her life where that God can smile down on her in such a way that the leaders of the church would approve of what she does. A woman is to be under the subjection of a man from the day she's born till the day she dies. I believe that. Either her father or her husband or the leadership of the church. She should have the approval of the leadership of the church in the way she lives her life. As I've said before, there are a lot of things that God put down in his word that we no longer do. We don't even think about it. We're not concerned with it. But as I said when I started teaching this this group of instructions to the ladies, of the women there needs to be an ideal some will choose to follow that ideal some will not choose to follow that ideal but everyone I think that sits in front of a preacher in front of the word on a Sunday needs to know what the ideal is because some will choose to live that way And some will not choose to live that way. But I don't think it's fair for the ladies or the men either not to know what God's ideal is, even though it may be out of style. Because let's face it, sinners are going to take everything that God originally started out with and water it down to where it's a lot easier to live with than originally was intended. So that, for the most part, is God's plan for the ladies. And now that we know exactly what he said and how he said it, I think we have a choice now to do what God would have us do or not to do. But I tell you, and I want you to understand, that as a lady that regularly attends this place right here, and maybe not so regular, because we still keep, I still have a phone list that I call the ladies who have ever been here and make sure that they don't have a need that this church would be able to fill. And I think that is the job and responsibility of the men folks in any church. I don't care what it is. They need to keep up with their ladies, their women, who do not have a man that can keep up with them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for showing us that you've obligated a lot of space in your book to show us what you consider is the proper treatment for our ladies. I would pray Lord that you would put that responsibility on the hearts of especially any man that calls themselves a believer and for those ladies, Lord, that have the means to help each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.